Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College Online Journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. We hope you enjoy the program. Make sure not to miss a single podcast and subscribe to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite subscription service. The views expressed in this presentation are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Army War College, U.S. Army, or Department of Defense. Welcome to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast. I'm Ron Granary, Professor of History at the Department of National Security and Strategy at the U.S. Army War College and podcast editor of The War Room. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Although it is a required course in the United States Army War College core curriculum, Defense management, or DM, has long been something of an afterthought. It covers the less glamorous parts of the strategic environment, that of working the massive defense bureaucracy, and is often eschewed by war colleges. The DM course has been, since its inception, solely about teaching U.S. students how to turn the crank of the Pentagon machine without understanding strategically what makes that machine work and what it does. DM has therefore endured derision from both faculty who think it does not belong in the curriculum at all, and from students who get seven months of critical thinking shot to heck and spend the end of their core program being lectured to about acronyms and told war stories about why the bureaucracy is broke. In reality, however, many student research projects from both U.S. and international fellows, civilians as well as uniformed service members, cover topics related to defense management even if they don't know it or appreciate it. All of them could profit from a better understanding of what the defense enterprise is, what it does, and what it is intended to do. Our guests today, Thomas Galvin and Douglas Waters, are both professors in the U.S. Army War College Department of Command, Leadership, and Management, which is responsible for teaching the DM course. They have been working on new methods of teaching this course and of relating it to the student's larger experience. They're currently preparing a new monograph that will be the textbook for part of the DM course. Because we both recognize the importance of curriculum reform for professional military education and are deeply interested in sharing what we do here at the War College with the broader interested public, we at A Better Peace think that this is a story worth telling and we are delighted to welcome professors Galvin and Waters to join us today. Thomas Galvin is Associate Professor of Resource Management at the Department of Command, Leadership, and Management, as well as the Leadership and Management Instructor for the Carlisle Scholars Program. He has been at the U.S. Army War College for more than a decade and is also the Managing Editor of the podcast, Talking About Organizations. Douglas Waters is currently the Associate Professor of Department of Defense Systems in the Department of Command, Leadership, and Management. He is a retired Navy captain with multiple Pentagon tours. He also happens to be the course director for defense management. And regular listeners of A Better Peace may recognize him as the voice that introduces and concludes every one of our programs. We're delighted to have you both with us today. Welcome to A Better Peace, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ron. So I want to start just on a, on a basic uh, question for both of you is, what is the original idea about having DM as a course, and what do you think has been its problem up to now? Yeah, I can uh, I can address that. Go ahead, the uh, the uh, historically, 
there was a realization that what colonels do when they leave the war college frequently is dominated by the type of billets that require a defense management background. Matter of fact, my old office mate, Bill Lord, who used to be the course director for defense management, uh, did a, a, a some research into what colonels do when they leave. And it was almost a thousand different colonel billets post-war college, post-Mel 1, and found that 70% of them were in systems and processes type billets. Mm. And about 15 to 20% of them were down in the DC area. So it's something that we know that our students are going to be involved in. Uh, the question is, how do we approach it? Because most of our students have not worked in this arena. And so a lot of the stuff that we talk about is it's like a foreign language to them. We also, as I think most of the listeners know, we also have a significant international fellow population within the War College. And how do you approach this topic with U.S.-centric systems and processes and make it relevant to the international fellows? So historically, when I first got to the War College, I was still on active duty. It was 15 years ago. Uh, the course then was called Joint Processes and Land Power Development, GIPLED. And it was very, yeah, it, it, even, the, even the sound of the title of it was awful. But uh, it, it was very system and process oriented. Mm-hmm. So instead of exploring conceptually the defense management um, and the different processes that are required, why are we doing them? What do, how are they currently done generally? What are the problems and issues? How do we address those? Uh, we kind of delved down into army processes mm-hmm. down to a level that frankly was a little too far down for a war college. And hence some of the criticism of the course by fellow faculty was that, Hey, you're almost in a training mode more than an educating mode. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess that's a, that's a challenge. I want to bring you Tom Galvin into this too, right? The, this question of how do you balance the, the, the need to introduce people to ideas uh, or or concepts that they that that you, so you need to communicate the information, but you also want people to understand that the information is is important not just sort of in itself, but for what what will help them to understand how these processes work. Right, you can have a whole class talking about what PPBS means, uh, right. But and but to think about what is it what does it mean? How do we do this? Well, what it uh, it starts with is is taking a step back and thinking about what are the strategic decisions that we're talking about, you mm-hmm. know, and and I think that's one of the reasons why we went down into the weeds in those old days was because of a recognition that uh, uh, war college students were expected to be able to speak the language and they had no exposure to any of these issues whatsoever. Now, what's changed in the past uh, decade, I'd say, is that we are getting students who have been exposed. They may not necessarily speak the language. They may not have been necessarily put into positions where they're dealing with this, but they're coming in with a, a, a much greater understanding of the implications of force management decisions, of the implications of uh, acquisition, of, uh, of a capability development and that sort of thing. They are coming in a little with a little bit more of a, uh, of a background, whereas before it was almost nothing. But but, uh, you know, now it's a matter of we've been focused so much in, the, like Muddy said, the, uh, the training aspect or the training mode. There's a lot of strategic thought that goes into these decisions about, it, especially if you take something just as simple as balancing readiness against modernization. The current readiness of the force and the need to be able to invest into the future. It's a, it's a common 
common uh, tension in just about any organization, not just the military. Um, and it's a it's a whole part of the conversation that had not been discussed. It, it wasn't being presented um, at that level. And uh, so when um, part of the transition, once we moved from JPLID to defense management, and uh, we had a different course director uh, come in, uh, 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 Fred Gellert, uh, Professor Fred Gellert, um, brought, uh, I think he was a, a driver, but he wasn't the only one, of uh, bringing in this idea that there is a whole decision space, readiness, modernization, and force structure that represents at the macro level this how we distribute resources. And uh, it's and it's it kind of kickstarted a whole process of thinking about what it is that we want students to be able to take away. It's not no longer about just being um, cognizant of the acronym so that they could look smart walking in the door to the Pentagon the first day after graduation. It's now about going back to what we're talking about in all the other courses. What are the big questions at stake? And here we're talking about three huge buckets of money. How do we distribute resources between these three buckets of money? And that's kind of that's kind of where I saw a big change happening. Mm-hmm. And and. Uh- so, Muddy, as course director, right? How how does the teaching and the organization of the course uh, reflect this broader understanding of the course material and its importance? Yeah, as uh, as Tom mentioned, uh, Fred Gellard is the one who first oriented the the course structure around that force management resource allocation framework. You know, he was he was a force manager. It was the way that they thought about things in those three bins. You know, readiness modernization and force structure. I labeled it the strategic choices framework because it didn't really have a name. <laughs> so, uh, and then, and then we, we, we oriented the course in blocks around those resource domains. And of course we had to have an introductory block that kind of teed it all up. And that, that kind of went into both uh, the federal budget and the uh, PPB system, and also a little bit about the organization of DOD. Mm-hmm. When I took over, we also wanted to bring international fellows in. We, we had one year actually had international fellows take the entire course. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that was a very good idea and surveys proved me right. <laughs> uh, but we, <laughs> but we wanted, we wanted to have uh, them get exposed to it. And many international fellows, uh, all, you know, asked us to please let us be part of the course. So we designed block one around the strategic choices framework and, approached it through through a conceptual lens. Mm-hmm. So it was a higher level exploration of, the, of the, the decision space required across that framework. And the first lesson introduced not just some organization, but also how does DOD make, make resource allocation decisions? So it got into decision support processes and governance councils, just to talk about how a big, large organization does this. And uh, it, it seems to have worked pretty well. I, there was some resistance, frankly, among some of the faculty to do this. They thought that we were, we were perhaps going to be redundant across block one over the rest of the blocks where we then go into each one of those resource domains with the U.S. students only. But I had a hypothesis that uh, not only would the IFs get something out of this, but the, the U.S. students who come in and don't really have any background in defense management would also benefit from this conceptual discussion up front. And uh, so far, so good. It seems survey uh, comments are, are 
are indicating that. And so do I understand you all are basically uh, changing the oil on the moving car in the sense that you've started to teach it in this way and you're writing a monograph which will be used in future as a textbook for this this section. So and is there a sort of an interplay between what you're writing and what you're and the experience of what you're doing right now? Well, I'm in a bit of a unique position with the Carlisle Scholars Program because last year uh, the the way that our program is structured is that we we do our DM uh, at a different time mm-hmm. than the resident program as much. We do it much earlier, which means that uh, last year I had the ability to um, kind of test drive uh, a a conceptual framework for understanding mm-hmm. force structure decisions and the nexus between roles and missions, um, the size and organization of the force, and stationing. Which are which you know one of the disadvantages of the old way of thinking about it from a process and system standpoint is that those represent totally different offices, totally different communities of practice handling those individual decisions, and yet they all relate to the structuring of the force. So you know we're in order to think about. Uh, what is the impacts of, say, pulling an air armor division out of Germany and bringing it into one post into Texas or to create a whole new combatant command? You know, these are things which I have experienced in my time and others have experienced similar uh, significant reorganization efforts. Um, all of those things become very important simultaneously. And so it's worth trying to step back and think about the decision spaces mm-hmm. Um, about it, but we didn't have a, you know, so we, we have this strategic choices framework that talks about the three buckets. Now each bucket, what I'm doing is, is I'm introducing frameworks, trying to see what works and, and uh, having good discussions with the Carlisle scholars program. And then what I take from that, we get to introduce, you know, massage, whatever, and then presented to the resident uh, students in a little bit of a better form. Mm-hmm. So there's an opportunity for some synergy. Well, and, and that synergy, I guess, that's the question. I'll go back to you, uh, Muddy, on this. The uh, Is how does DM, DM is, has traditionally been essentially the last of the core curriculum courses that students take. So they're taking it in, uh, in the early spring, I guess, in, in February, March. Um, and, uh, how does DM try to relate to what students have already learned in the other courses to, to integrate it into this overall core curriculum? Yeah, it's a good question, Ron. We, first of all, we're, we're very reliant on the material, the, the frameworks and the models and, and uh, concepts that come out of the strategic leadership course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of my predecessors, uh, DM, is actually... SL applied or strategic mm-hmm. leadership applied right. within the context of the Pentagon at the enterprise level. Uh, of course, there, there are other linkages from across the core. We do, uh, you know, we have a concurrent delivery model now within the War College where we're not just teaching one, one uh, course at a time. So we have a little overlap with, uh, with MSC, mm-hmm. Military Strategy and Campaigning Course. And of course, their focus from the combatant commander down while we're focused kind of at the enterprise level, but both are responding to strategic direction, 
both are responding to the chairman and his joint strategic planning system. So there, there is a lot of crossover between those two courses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, when we get into your material as well, uh, when you talk about the, the interagency and how DC works at the, you know, the national level, obviously DM plugs into that. Right. Well, and I, and when we were talking about this beforehand, Tom, you had mentioned that there's a lot of emphasis these days on making sure that we, we bring war fighting back into professional military education. Um, and uh, how is DM uh, integrated into this concept of helping students understand war fighting? Yeah, it's very simple because you have to be able to fight with the force that you design. <laughs> right. And, uh, and this, is, this gets into a very, very important aspect of why, uh, you know, bringing in the international fellows, I think the way that we're doing it now is a little bit more seamless because, you know, when we're coming up with these frameworks, we're not, these aren't military frameworks. Mm-hmm. These are organization theory, management science. These are things that are common um, to all large organizations that we're drawing a lot of this from. We're just applying it in the context of a military organization. So things like program budgeting, PPBE, Mm -hmm. uh, has analogies in just about every country, every nation. And uh, uh, organizational design, which is basically what force management is about, is is a common common language that uh, is accessible to everybody. Now, when it comes to the war fighting now, so we're taking these, uh, these management concepts and saying, all right. If you want to be able to do this, and we've got to come up with the language of defining a capability, defining requirements, um, going through an acquisition and procurement process, using contracts or whatever, there's a lot of management uh, theory that can be applied to this language. So we, you know, we're we're trying to do that, but the but there's uh, obviously the the relationship between MSC and DM needs to be very very strong because. Uh, we can we DM constrains MSE in some way, of course. You know, we're trying to come up with a force that is designed to fight and win according to the strategy. And, you know, they're trying to figure out how to teach students how to fight the force. Right. Right. So it's it's a natural I mean, I think and we also yeah. oh, please. Uh, we also bring in uh, things like uh, the national defense strategy and what are the objectives that are outlined in that and the, the joint warfighting concept that is currently uh, being pushed by by the joint staff and, and the, the secretary of defense in order to orient the decisions that are being made about future capability around something that that's that's relevant and concrete. So. So the students see can see the relevance of what we're doing with force design to to their future war fighting. I mean, so much of what we talk about, we, we talk about we're preparing students to operate on the strategic level, and we talk about strategy. Um, that uh, at, at its most basic level, right? Strategy is about figuring out how to uh, how to relate well ends, ways, and means. The way we talk about it here uh, at the War College, uh, but to do that means you can't. You can't develop a strategy without a sense of what you're, uh, what you actually have on hand. Or let's say once you, and certainly once you develop that strategy, you will have to move your resources around to uh, relate to it. And yet, for a long time, certainly in the minds of a lot of our students, when they come to the war college, they think of strategy as uh, it's like strategy or war fighting, right? They think of them as uh, these are the, these are the cool things that they joined the military to do. 
Um, but then defense management is somehow, you know, doing the dishes um, or doing your <laughs> chores. Um, and, and I guess people shouldn't think that way because you can't have one without the other. But, you know, when I think about the sort of headwinds that you all as faculty members have to face in with the students who are like, you know, what, you know, I've never had to worry about this before. Why should I worry about it now? Um, how is well, let me, yeah, let me please, respond yeah, to that. Help me because, out. Help me out, please. Yeah. Cause that's because what I'm I'll trying tell to you. Why, why is it that students perhaps nowadays are a little bit more attuned yeah. to defense management coming into the war college? And that's because they're seeing the results of uh, some uh, of the management decisions yeah. in, in the war fight. I, I mean, that's, that's what's driving a lot of it. And they're coming in with war stories, uh, you know, and, and it's not all bad, you know, war stories implies bad, I suppose, but um, they're coming in with a lot of stories about uh, uh, how a, um, a decision to uh, replace some capability or to uh, force generation, like, uh, you know, what trying to manage uh, forces on a patch chart and things like that are all impacting how they're able to fight, how they're able to accomplish the mission. Some of the administrative uh, issues that they, uh, they they contend with, with which they consider to be distracting, mm-hmm. um, what thing, how things can be done better. So they're coming in with with a lot of exper- experience, just not necessarily um, the ability to sit in the seat of a decision maker mm-hmm. making the decision in the first place. Right. And there certainly is a lot of interest nowadays on uh, what is traditionally DM topics like talent management. Um, the current recruiting problem discourse, uh, a lot of uh, personnel issues are, are at the forefront of people's minds. It's it's uh, it's one that uh, people as students are very ready to engage in. Yeah, and and do you think that's a function of of the fact that that essentially that we have so many more students who have you know that have have been dealing with the practical effects of the war fight and the. Uh, and the administration. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Is is it an irony that it is it is a generation of officers who have had to deal with the day to day problems of managing the fight that makes them more attuned to the fact that a whole lot of preparation has to go on to make it possible for them to do that fight. What do you think about that? I think uh, so. I think so. Yeah. I, th- I think when you're when you're living with the repercussions from decisions that were made five, ten, fifteen years ago, and and you don't like some of those repercussions. Right. It, it tends to, to to make you a little more open to discussing why did we make these these decisions that we made, and and how can we do this better. So I, I think I think that the operational experience does play. Right. So how do you imagine the DM course changing uh, further based on based on the the conceptual changes that you're already putting in place, and based on the the monograph that you're writing? How will the course change going forward? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Right now, we're, we we've gone through a lot of change, and uh, last academic year, the survey comments overall satisfaction for the course was at the highest it's ever been. So at this point, I kind of want to just stabilize this year, uh, and then and then we'll continue to tweak and try and, and get it better. Uh, I I think it, it's it's the tension between making it relevant and approachable to both international fellows and students who don't have a background while still giving enough to those who come here who do have a background in the course and you still want them to get value. And so we're still, 
we're, we're still wrestling with that balance within the course because the three blocks of, of force structure readiness modernization that follow block one go into more detail in, in all three of those buckets. Uh, but we don't want to overdo it, but we don't want to underdo it either. I mean, our U.S. students, when they graduate, they, they need to be able to be to speak to to some of these issues at a more detailed level than, than what we do in block one. Well, and what you, what you just said makes me think of a larger curricular question about the war college, which I'm glad to have you both here to discuss. And that is Tom, you, you work with the Carlisle scholars who are in a sense, a, uh, a, for want of a better term, sort of an honors program within the war college where they cover many of the same, they cover the same core curriculum subjects, but in a different order and in a different way. And I am curious how we should imagine the curriculum at the War College in a way that we're making sure that we are satisfying the needs of our entire constituency, right? So both the students, you know, so this is like Muddy was talking about the idea of you've got students who know nothing about DM and need to learn a lot, students who know something about it and need to learn some somewhat different things, and students who know a lot about it who might feel like this is all a review. Right? So you have to you have to organize a course for them that somehow satisfies all of them. But then how do we figure out ways that we have a we have a course of instruction for a, a, a small group of students that is consciously different in in format and in delivery um, and how are we sure that we are delivering the same kind of or this the a a comparable level of quality of education um, when we are doing it in such different ways well I can talk about uh, uh, what what I'm doing this year please um, I'm a little reticent to get ahead of the game and uh, say how it's going to, how I'm going to evaluate <laughs> well, it. We'll have you back. We'll have but, you back on in June. You can tell us how it went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm trying to combine the SL and, and DM courses. Mm, okay. I mean, you know, and, and uh, the, I can justify it uh, pretty easily because when you think about even the human dimension stuff, I, I, and I should probably let me back up a little bit and talk a bit about how traditionally the views of what, has been SL stuff and what has been DM stuff, at least from a organizational standpoint. So the, uh, the human dimension issues, you know, and, uh, some of the human dimension issues like sharp, like, um, suicide prevention, um, you know, those, those types of issues have uh, traditionally been associated with the strategic leadership course and the leadership course has a lot to do with, you know, teaching about the individual strategic leader, and mm-hmm. uh, some of the fundamental concepts of large organizations, uh, primarily having to do with leadership aspects. How do you lead and manage change? How do you lead and change the culture of an organization? So there was there's that, and then the manage the defense management was about the more bureaucratic, uh, programmatic side of things. Now. My experience has been, and and this I'd say this is pretty well shared, um, has been that uh, at the enterprise level, a big part of how we handle human dimension issues is programs. Hmm. Okay, we change organizations, we create organizations, we fund activities to try to bring about some sort of a positive effect. You think about family programs, you think about the creation of the sexual harassment and assault offices and all that sort of thing. The bifurcation between leadership and management leads you to not talk or not have the opportunity to discuss the programmatics 
or programmatic options behind dealing with the human dimension issue. Right. So by combining them, by combining the two courses with the Carlisle scholars, I'm going to try to resolve that. So we start with leadership and pro, uh, leadership and enterprise management up front as sort of like a foundation. And then we talk about leadership and the programmatics of readiness, modernization, and force structure in at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, but, but money, obviously we, we, well, actually, maybe not obviously, right? We can't, uh, or should we be thinking about ways of taking these two courses, which are both taught by your department and essentially bookend the core curriculum? We have strategic leadership at the beginning, defense management at the end. Is there a way that those two courses need to be reintegrated into each other that would make them uh, uh, for for the overall curriculum instead of not just for the Carlisle Scholars? Or or are there smaller uh, uh, levels of change that one could do to make that work better for the the broader student body. Yeah, th- there have been discussions certainly about that within our department about how y- you really could teach these together, which, mm-hmm. which Tom is going to do in Carlisle Scholars, and, and it might even be better doing that. Um, we could integrate a lot of the uh, curriculum, probably a little bit more than we do, not just SL and DM. A lot of the, the problems that we run into, though, are structural with our faculty and the the teaching load and and like if we did SL and DM together, you're tying up faculty for a very long time who are, as we say, on the podium here. Right. Uh, And, and that can get fatiguing. So sometimes we have these, these breaks in courses, uh, like in, in your department between theory of war and strategy and uh, national security policy and, and strategy, just to make it deliverable, executable with the faculty that you have. So, you have to wrestle with both of those things, which I incidentally this is a defense one of those problem. tensions within the strategic choices framework that you have at the enterprise level for sure uh, to try and do it. But yeah, could could this should this uh, be more integrated? I would say yeah, probably it should, uh, and that's something we we hopefully can work towards over time. Right. Well, and you mentioned uh, uh, that you know you 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 started the changes last year and you've polled the students or surveyed the students to get a sense of what they're doing. And so you're going to try to to sort of carry on this year to maintain uh, to see you know what another group of students thinks about it. Um, how do you imagine measuring both success but also how do you how do you identify areas that will need further refinement? or reform going forward? Yeah, within, within our, our processes here, we generally rely, we rely on student survey comments, but of course there's, there's issues with that Mm -hmm. because you can go in with your own confirmation bias and you can always find comments that align with what, what you wanted to say. Uh, It'd be nice to be, to be more objective with the data. And And we try to do that to some degree. And then of course we have, extensive faculty after action reviews where we, we tap into the expertise of the faculty to say, Hey, how, how is this going for you? We don't have a lot of hard metrics, a lot of hard data to really tell us that though. Uh, there's, you know, been talks about doing, uh, you know, testing before and after courses to see what sort of, uh, uh, you know, did, did you move the needle and in, in, in comprehension? Uh, but, but it's really a lot of it is subjective. We, we, we go through the, the survey comments and try and get a feel for, 
and they're all over the map, of course. Right, sure. Uh, and then we do the same thing in our faculty ARs to try and gauge what what's going well and what needs to be tweaked and what what needs to be stopped. Right. Um, and what do you, um, are there any particular uh, let's say touch points or seams in the course right now that you're especially watching to see how well they hold over the course of the coming year? Nothing in in particular. Mm-hmm. It, it's more just let's let's run this same model through again with a different set of students. And uh, of course, different faculty too, because we have a lot of right. Um, we have a lot of turnover, know, turnover here, yeah. and just see if, if if it's received as well or rel- you know about the same. I think it will be, but uh, you know, there's no way to know. And then and try and get some more data about where we might need more emphasis, where where we might be able to approach things uh, in, in a better fashion. And of course, continuing to to experiment with things like uh, that that Tom are doing and Carlisle Scholars, and continuing with our our development of monographs and, and, and scholarship to help uh, align with the course requirements. And, and again, just continue to try and make it stronger and better each, each year. Well, I, and I, it, with that, with that in mind, uh, so my last big question for the two of you is when, in, in preparation for this conversation, based reading the things that you all had sent me, um, I was surprised to discover that the army war college um, offers a, a, a required course in DM, right? The Eisenhower school, requires students to learn something about processes, but that's because that's the whole nature of its, uh, I'd say, of its curriculum. But that I was surprised to discover that defense management as a subject is not a formal part or an important part of the core curriculum at other senior service colleges, or, or have I misunderstood that? But if that's true, do you imagine that if we can figure out how to do it right here at the right quotation marks at the army war college that we could consider, we could find ways to convince other senior service colleges to make sure that they offer it too. Is that, is that even a goal of these reforms? Uh, it certainly could be. Now, now to be fair, I, of course, this is a little dated, but uh, the Navy war college did have okay. a small segment of a trimester. It wasn't, wasn't one of their full trimester courses. Mm-hmm called resource allocation. I don't know what they're calling it now. So it did delve into this a little bit, gotcha. but, but it's nowhere near as extensive as ours. Uh, so, but, but yeah, I, I think if we can demonstrate that we have a successful product, um, I would, I would think other, um, war colleges would be interested in perhaps seeing what we're doing and whether they want to incorporate it. Now they may have some cultural aversion to it, mm-hmm. uh, as we have had here and we've been slowly breaking that down. Um, but a lot of it has to do with how you approach it, and uh, and I think we're on the right track here. But uh, you tell me. <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll find out. That's right. We'll come back and uh, uh, you know, and we'll 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 check back at the end of the year and see how it went this year and how it's going. Tom Galvin, do you have any final final thoughts on what your nah. the reforms? <laughs> no, I think we uh, we pretty much uh, covered everything, and yeah, you know, we'll just uh, we'll just see how things work out this year. This is true, and I guess part of management of any process is to study it, uh, to consider the results, and to decide what needs to be changed to make it work better in the future. And goodness knows if students at the U.S. Army War College are going to find out how the defense enterprise works and they want to make it better the best place to start is by taking defense management from professors of the quality of Douglas Waters and Tom Galvin. So I thank both of you for joining us here on A Better Peace to talk about your work. We do, uh, we'll do. we hold out the prospect of bringing you back to talk about how it went um, and about what goes on in the future. But thanks so much for joining us today. 
Thank you very much. Thank you, Ron. And thanks to all of you for listening in. Please send us your comments on this program and all the programs. Send us your suggestions for future programs. We're always interested in hearing from you. Please rate and review this podcast on your podcatcher of choice after you have subscribed to A Better Peace, because why wouldn't you want to subscribe to A Better Peace? And if you subscribe and rate and review, you can uh, more people can find out about us so that we can continue to broaden this community. We look forward to welcoming you to our next conversation. And until next time, from the War Room, I'm Ron Granary. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. And have a great day.